want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Well, welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we talk about seeing and sharing Jesus from all the Scripture, and we continue our series on the wisdom literature, in particular, uh, Proverbs. I'm your host, Nate Aiken, along with John Aiken, and also have joining us Josh Redberg and Liam Garvey. And so we're going to jump in. We've given an overview of Proverbs uh, and wisdom literature today. We're going to jump into the book and look at chapters one and two. And so, John, we'll start with you. We're going to basically go how we've gone through uh, past podcasts, but summary, how it points to Christ, and then application. But why don't you give us a summary of Proverbs one and two? Yeah, so it starts with... Um... It starts with the title, basically, or the the opening is the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And so this shouldn't be a shock that uh, the one of the quintessential wisdom books comes from Solomon, because we know he asked for wisdom to be able to rule. We know uh, in 1 Kings 4, we're told that his wisdom is greater than all the men of the East, and um, that he, you know, spoke 3,000 Proverbs, and so, you know, so forth. And so He's the main fountainhead for the wisdom of Israel, and he's the start of this book. We we gave the overview seven divisions to the book. Um, this this is the prologue, starting in one through nine, and then there's two collections that belong to Solomon. So you'll have Solomon collection one, which is about chapter ten through chapter twenty two, and then you got Solomon collection two, that was put together by Hezekiah's men, which is going to be about twenty five through twenty nine. Um, and so, so we here have the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, the son of David, the king of Israel. And so immediately, I just want to say, as we think about what this podcast is about, we're immediately given a, a messianic, um, you know, tone to the book. This is the, this is the wisdom of the son of David, uh, the king in Israel. This is, you know, back to second Samuel seven, the son of David is this messianic figure. And so we're given a messianic tone to the start of uh, the book, and we're given this tone that wisdom is royal and that it's it's primarily, and we'll talk more about this, but it's primarily dealing with um, with the, the kingdom. Um, and so that's what we have with the start. And then we have kind of this, the, the, the intro to the prologue kind of gives the purpose of the book. And so the, the purpose of this book is to impart wisdom and instruction and understanding and Righteousness, justice, equity, etc. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and so that, so it's about imparting wisdom, and um, that phrase there in verse three, righteousness, justice, and equity, is uh, when those three are used together. It's talking about the art of government, um, and so that that's what that's what this, what this book is about: is to understand wisdom and to understand proverbs, and then verse seven gives the key kind of motto to the book which is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, uh, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so immediately we are told that you cannot be wise and you cannot have wisdom unless you are in right relationship with the covenant Lord. And so however smart you may be or however intelligent you may be, that's uh, being smart and being intelligent isn't exactly what it means to be wise. And one can only be wise in a relationship uh, with the covenant Lord. And so that's the, that's kind of the introduction to the prologue is giving you kind of the purpose of the book and who is the main fountainhead for it. 
And so then he switches from there and begins what the first nine chapters are, this, this prologue or introduction, however you want to call it, is, um, is mainly about giving uh, instruction from Solomon to his son. So it's, it's extended discourses. And they they lend themselves to expository preaching, and we'll talk, you know, about how to preach it. But um, and and so he starts he starts here with warning his son that greed will destroy him. Um, that's that's kind of the the first thing that he he gets at. And so he's um, here, my son, your father's instruction, verse eight: forsake not your mother's teaching, which would have been uh, something that's kind of unique to wisdom literature, as it includes the mother as well. Um, and that, that if you do that, these things are going to be, he, he says, you know, like a, um, a graceful garland, a pendant for your neck. Um, these, these images that he's uh, using here of the pendant and the garland are just like images of honor, um, so to speak. And, um, and that, you know, that it's a symbol for life's going to kind of go well for you. You're going to have a good life. You know, it's going to be health, prosperity, um, honor those kinds of those kinds of things, um, and then he warns his son not to um, to be enticed away by sinners. And here, the specific example he gives is like a gang, uh, a peer group of gangs that want to kill somebody and take their money. So, so think like the 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 bad guys in the Good Samaritan story, or at least the the initial bad guys, not the priest and Levite. Um, that want to just, you know, beat this guy up, rob him and take his stuff and leave him for dead. And so he's just saying, don't, don't be pressured by sinful peer group. So again, one, one thing that we're going to see that we're being introduced to here, two specific people or groups of people that he's going to warn his son not to, um, be enticed by is going to be, uh, evil peers. And then by the strange woman. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see, we'll see both of those in the in the weeks to come. And then he gives, uh, kind of gives the outcome why, why you shouldn't do that because that's going to cause your feet to be swift to rush to, uh, blood. So it's not just the blood of the innocent person you're killing. It's going to actually entrap your own life. And so he uses this idea of a bird being caught in a net. Um, and so, hmm. and so his conclusion is that's everyone who's greedy for profit. That's the end uh, result that's going to take away uh, your life. And so, um, and so he gives that, he gives that warning, uh, to his son. And then finally we're introduced in verse 20 to woman wisdom, um, which is the personification. Uh, we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but in my view, it's the personification of Solomon's wisdom and ultimately the personification of God's wisdom we'll see in chapter eight. And so wisdom is presented as a street, uh, prophet who is a prophetess, who is preaching, and, and, it, and wisdom is a feminine uh, because the Hebrew uh, noun chokmah is, is feminine, and so a personification takes on uh, the, the, you know, characterization of its, of its gender, of, it, of, the, of the noun. And um, also, what would be, as Solomon's talking to his son, who's a young man, what is alluring to a young man? It's, it's an it's a attractive you know, formidable woman. And, um, and so she's this prophetess. She's crying out in this, like all the, the public places, um, you know, the entrance of the city gates, she's in the, um, in the noisy parts of the street where there's going to be a big crowd and she's going to be able to get, 
uh, a, a big hearing. And so she's crying out um, for that. And she's calling the simple, those who've not, the simple basically would be, in my view, those who have not chosen, they're, they're naive and they've not chosen between wisdom and foolishness yet. Um, and so they're simple ones. And so she calls to them. And then she also um, calls to the scoffers. How long are you going to be simple? And then to the scoffers, how long are you going to hate? Um, how long are you going to hate knowledge and, and so forth? And, um, and so then, so then she begins to uh, do what prophets do and which is she's going to call them to repentance and she's going to warn them about the, um, the consequences of what, of what they have done. And, um, and so she, she does that with, um, these, these phrases like, because I've called and you refuse to listen, um, because I've stretched out my hand and, and no one heeded, you ignored my counsel, et cetera. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. And so, so this this whole idea of uh, again, kind of an idea we see from God and the prophets. You you know, uh, you spurned my uh, mercy and my patience with you, and so now uh, judgment's going to fall on you. And this whole idea of laughing, um, you know, we see in the Psalms God laughing at the at the nations who try to who try to come up uh, against him. Um, and because of that, they're going to call on wisdom and she's not going to answer. They're going to seek her and they're not going to find her uh, because they, they didn't listen to her when they had the chance. And so they're going to receive the consequences of their sin. She says, eat the fruit of their own way. So basically being handed over to the choices that they've made and they're going to die. Um, and then the end of the, I think, is important for interpretation. The, the simple are killed by their turning away. It's the word for apostasy. Um, and so it's a, it's a turning away from God to idolatry. But those who listen to wisdom will dwell secure and, mm-hmm. and will not have to fear the things that come on uh, the wicked. Mm-hmm. And so that's the overview of the first chapter. You have the, the, the introduction to the prologue, where it's talking about what the, the purpose of the book is. Um, is to impart wisdom, and that is found in a relationship with the covenant Lord. And then you have an example of Solomon's wisdom as he as he teaches his son not to give in to the peers that would lead him towards foolishness and death. And then we're introduced to um, wisdom, who's calling out as a prophetess to to get us to repent and to turn to her. Um, and she says that if we do that, interestingly enough, um, that if we turn to her then um, she'll pour out her spirit uh, upon us, that it, that that spirit of wisdom will come to reside within us mm. and we'll live. And if we don't, then we will die. Mm. Liam, anything? Yeah, I think just to, I think the tone of it um, and the assumption behind the text from verse eight onwards really reaffirms what you read in verse four and five that, um, this wisdom, this instruction, these words of insight, the instructions and in wise dealing to give prudence and knowledge and so on, um, are for everybody. They're for the simple. They're for the youths. You know, everybody knows that those who are daft and simple and those who are young definitely need education. Uh, they need to learn um, uh, from example and from teaching the way that they should live or they're going to make a royal muck up of their lives. Um, and we 
But it is, while it is surprising to find the word wise in there, that the wise actually, everybody who's wise, you've still got some learning to do. Um, mm. But I think that that's reaffirmed in the rest of the text after verse 7, because ultimately, um, when you read it, I find it really interesting that it's framed in a very negative way. It's almost framed with the assumption that, yeah, nobody can actually claim to be properly fearing the Lord and walking in the ways of wisdom right now. Therefore, you're actually all in danger of falling into the trap that people end up setting for themselves. Um, mm. So you're just like these guys that I'm trying to warn you against is what, pro, is what Solomon's ultimately um, saying to his, his son here. And, and so even within the, the kind of negative statements of this and that in both that section on the enticement of sinners and the call of wisdom, um, just reinforces one to seven, which basically says, Everybody needs this knowledge. Everybody needs prudence. Yeah, you haven't arrived at it yet. Yeah, that's good. John, um, let's, we, we'll shift there. If you want to make any comments about what Liam said, but also shift to how, how would you take chapter one and show how it points to Christ? Yeah, so one, I would I'd wholeheartedly affirm um, what Liam said. I think that the fools are those who think that they're wise and that they don't need to heed instruction. Mm-hmm or they don't need to listen to the voice of the sage, ultimately to the voice of God. And the wise are those who are humble enough to realize they need counsel. Mm. Uh, they need wise counsel. They need godly counsel. And so that's going to be a theme that comes up again and again in the book. Mm. Um, I preached three sermons through chapter one, so each of those different sections. And so there's there's multiple ways that you can point to Jesus, mm. um, obviously. So I just mentioned a couple real quick. So one— in the introduction in, in 1, 1 through 7, I kind of did an overview of the book, and so to speak. And so I, I opened it up with this whole idea, and this kind of will strike at application too, but this whole idea of like wanting to win at life or what is God's will for my life and how we oftentimes know what we're supposed to do, but we can't really bring ourselves to do it. And so we know we shouldn't say hurtful words to our friends or our spouse or our parents or our children. And yet we do it sometimes. Um, you know, there's, we, we know that we should, you know, speak less and listen more, but we don't, we know that we should lovingly confront people who, um, are hurting themselves. And oftentimes we let fear cause us not to, I mean, just on and on, we know we shouldn't gossip, but we do, we know we, um, you know, um, shouldn't hang out with friends are going to get you in trouble, but we do. We know we shouldn't hold on to a grudge and we should forgive, but sometimes it's hard to let go, et cetera. And so like, like all these things that we've failed at, well, we recognize we're not wise and we've not um, done the things that we're, that we're called to do. And so, I mean, what, what if, what if wisdom wasn't a concept or an idea or a set of ideas that you had to follow, but what if wisdom was a person that you could know and have a relationship with mm-hmm. and that by knowing that person, you, you can become wise. And um, I think so, so, so one is connecting it to first Corinthians one, that, that Jesus is the wisdom of God for us. And so we see that with woman wisdom uh, at the end of the chapter, this kind of idea of a personal relationship with wisdom that's going to help you be wise and is going to save your life. Um, and and then just walking through, I just would walk through kind of the storyline. Solomon fails to to live out the wisdom of this book. His son Rehoboam, because of a stupid decision, splits the kingdom in two. But then you have Isaiah 11 describing the Messiah as a an embodiment of the book of Proverbs. 
Jesus is the one who grows in wisdom and stature and favor mm-hmm. with God and man. He's called the greater Solomon. He's the wisdom of God for us. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so so one is just to say, hey, we are going to fall short. We're not wise. We're not righteous. We're not just. We're not equitable. We're not, you know, we, we do have a lot to learn. And the only way we're going to do that is by personal relationship with Jesus. The other way in the introduction would be to 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 look at this royal angle, which is to say that we, which I gave in the introductory podcast, but that um, the book is hoping for a king who's going to live this out, and then and then rule a nation that's going to live this out. Solomon is trying to train his son in this. He's going to fail. By the end of the book, we're going to be given a, a, two oracles of prophecy that are hopeful that, that there's going to be a son in the future who who lives that out. And so we we see that in Jesus. In the middle section, I just talk I I tried to let the text of of Proverbs um I tried to deal with what would seem like contradictions between the teaching of Proverbs and our experience in real life. Mm. And so so um the challenge is going to be like this idea, if I'm not greedy, then my life's going to go well for me. Doesn't always work out in the short term. Um, there are people who are ethical in their business and their business goes under while the people who are doing shady deals succeed or whatever. And so uh, so that's that's an issue. So how do we deal with that? I, I point that to Christ. I'll show you how. And the other issue is that we all, we all at some level have been greedy. And so when you think about how this plays out in the life of Jesus, uh, Jesus is the son who grows in wisdom. and st- So he is the one who fulfills this. And yet he is the one who is, um, and Judas is the one who is enticed to join a gang who, who sets a trap for an innocent man. And he gets money. He gets enriched by it. Um, but in the end, Judas dies. The man who is innocent man who's executed, he's raised to life. And, um, and so the proverb works out ultimately that the, the, the wise man, the innocent man, is vindicated, and the the greedy man, the the evil man who is enticed to join the gang, he dies, and so um, that's how I, that's how I did it in that middle section, is just to to show how this proverb plays out in the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Josh, what would you add there um, as far as Christ centered application? There are allusions to Israel's history, to previous events, just subtly throughout the book. I think in chapter one, particularly near the end, you see some allusions to the Garden of Eden. I think that comes up probably that's one of the primary ones throughout the book. Um, but if you think about, you know, verse 29, because I hated knowledge, didn't choose the fear of the Lord. were not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way, be glutted with their own schemes. And then mm. verse 32, it leads to them being killed and being destroyed. And so you see. Adam and Eve in this, in their choice to reject the fear of the Lord, therefore reject wisdom. They eat the fruit of their way, which is death and destruction. Verse 33, there is an alternative to this path, which is you listen to me, you live securely, you're undisturbed. And so the original sin was, in one sense, it was foolishness. It was rejecting the fear of God eating the fruit of your own way, leading to death and destruction. However, God says there is another way, a different way. And of course, this then becomes the message of the whole Bible. 
delivered first in the Garden of Eden, which is that one comes who allows us to listen to God, live securely and undisturbed. And so that's one way I would connect this first chapter to Christ, uh, which is to show that this is sort of the original battle, the battle between foolishness and wisdom. They chose foolishness by rejecting the fear of the Lord. They received death and destruction. There is another path, but that path is mm-hmm. only found through Christ. We listen to him. It's he good. is the word of God. And we, therefore, we don't have to dread danger. Um, and we can live securely because he's the path of wisdom. Mm. Mm. Liam. Uh, the only thing I would add to that, I thought both of those inputs were excellent, but I, I think even, I think it was John last time had said that the, you know, uh, when you read Proverbs, you realize if the king is wise, the people will be wise. And I think that picks up on the, the royal theme that you talked about. Um, I was going to mention Isaiah 11, which talks about Christ imbibing, uh, having all those qualities. Wisdom is essentially what he has and who he is. Uh, according to 1 Corinthians as well. But all, the only thing I would add would be that um, uh, in the New Testament, the fear of the Lord is still a principle that, that his people ought to live by. Uh, Christ is the one who, of course, makes it possible for us to have a right awareness of what that accountability before God is like, because he's the one who uh, images him to us and explains him to us so that we have a right understanding of the fact that he is both a tender father and one who speaks lovingly to his mm-hmm. children, much like the like Solomon is doing here, uh, he's the one who um, who who both honors places but those uh, those uh, badges, if you like, of honor on his children uh, in a way that not only uh, dignifies them but beautifies them, and that's what Christ does for us. Um, but at the same time, he is the one who um, who who not only Christ is the one who not only calls out, but in the end will judge and whose wrath will be fundamentally terrifying. Uh, so terrifying that people would prefer to die under an avalanche of jagged rocks than actually face it. Um, so in the ones it, it keeps both the, the tenderness and the beauty of, uh, of, of Christ before us. And at the same time reminds us of his, um, just uh, uh, and uh, perfectly right judgments as well. Mm, mm, that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. That's a good segue, John, to then uh, let's talk about application. So one thing too, let me just add one piece that I, that I um, didn't mention. So I, I did, I did try to make a connection how in the middle of this chapter, again, the, you know, these thieves who who die or whatever, is that Jesus? We're told was cruci- was executed between thieves. So, the, so these um, the, the innocent man dies the death that thieves deserve to die, um, and then is 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 resurrected. And I I connect. There's a John Mark McMillan song called "Death in His Grave," and he he says on Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, um, laid down in grief but woke with the keys. And so um, I just want to make that connection as well. I think um, I think it's helpful to show that he. While he does live all this out, he also takes the penalty that fools deserve, so that we can be um, forgiven. Um, as far as application in the in the beginning is just is mainly um, trying to work through in the introduction the different aspects of wisdom. I, I kind of touched on that with the saying it's not intellect; it's wisdom is is correction, you know, and understanding. 
um, we're told there that it's like instruction. It's correct. It's correction. It's it's where you're going the wrong direction, and then and then you're warned to go in the right mm-hmm. direction. It's it's the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, it has it has moral aspects to it, and so mm-hmm. um, I use this illustration a lot. But um, like, if you think if you th- if you think in terms of the Simpsons. You think that Lisa is wise and Bart's a fool, but in the biblical worldview, both of them are fools because Lisa thinks her parents are idiots and is is rude to them or whatever. Bart may be more of what apparently what what we think of as a fool, but both in the eyes of the Lord um, are are foolish. And so, uh, wisdom is discernment. It's not just again, it's not just having a set of facts. It's being able to read situations. It's it's obtaining guidance, which Liam, uh, you know, helpfully pointed to. Um, and then it's found in a relationship with the Lord. So you're calling people uh, to the Lord in the, in the, in the second section, obviously dealing with ways that we're greedy. And so just saying like, Hey, you're not, you may not have joined a gang. Uh, some of you may have, but you may have joined a gang and like, and like beat people up and those kind of things. But, but th- he says at the end, have you ever just wanted what doesn't belong to you in the first place, right? Those who are greedy for unjust gain. It's not just those who do it, but those who have that desire. Like it's not just the don't steal, it's the don't covet. And so just walking through different ways that you um, either have given into peer pressure to do something you shouldn't do um, or how you have longed to have something that doesn't um, belong to you uh, or ways that you may have, you know, gone around the end around what was right to get what you wanted to get unjust gain. So with cheating on a test, you know, lying to get some outcome that you want um, and, and so forth. So I just, I walk through some of that, uh, some of that stuff, even just violence, even violence at the level of children and just pointing out to you want the toy that your sister's playing with. And so you push her down and you take it. You know, and so that this this is in our hearts is basically what I'm getting at as I'm as I'm pointing them to Jesus and how he's you know he took the punishment we deserve and was raised from the dead and and then offers us forgiveness and transformation so that we now can be those who are generous instead of greedy. Um, and then in the last the last one I did kind of to, to Liam's point uh, again is go after the the terrifying nature of Jesus, not just that he is wisdom for us in a positive sense, but, but if you reject him and you choose to go your own way, um, that he's going to, he may hand you over to that. Right. Um, the, the, the line, I think it's from the problem of pain. I think I use this, um, from CS Lewis is that, um, heaven is filled with people who say to God, thy will be done and hell. He says, um, he says that heaven is filled with people who say to God, thy will be done. And hell is filled with people to whom God Mm. says thy will be done. Mm. And so uh, that whole eating the fruit of your own way. um, I just, I kind of walk through some of that. Like, um, are you know, if you're, if you don't have a good work ethic, it's going to lead to being difficult to provide for your family. You cheat on your spouse, you may lose everything you have, may lose your family. If you're hasty with your words, then 
um, if you're hasty with your words and, you know, it can destroy relationships and so on, so on and so forth. And so that's that, you know, doing those things, God may hand you over to the choices that you've made. And so that's kind of some ways I walk through it. Yeah, wise parenting comes from scripture and is more than just a list of do's and don'ts. The father here explains how decisions have consequences. And so it's easy sometimes as parents mm-hmm. to simply say, mm-hmm. do this, don't do this. Why? Because I told you so. And there's an aspect in which learning to submit to authority is is huge, even if you don't understand. But yet the path of wisdom is a path of understanding consequences of actions. And so the the father's instruction, the mother's teaching, when this is based upon scripture and it's it's done with this level of grace by demonstrating the how choices have consequences, where it leads, and it's rooted in what God says. So I think there's a lot of wisdom for parents and how they talk to their kids and how they train their kids throughout the book, but it starts in chapter one. And then you also see that we often think of wisdom and foolishness as, as individual decisions. I made a foolish decision, and it shows us how individual decisions actually make a path. So a lot of times we just look at an individual decision and be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I just made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you keep making bad decisions, it shows you're on a path that leads a certain direction. Yeah. And so I think sort of holding that tension of, um, yes, that wisdom is rooted or most it's most clearly demonstrated in these decisions you make, but these decisions send you one way or the other, or you're, they're leading you one way or the other. So sometimes we let mm-hmm. ourselves off the hook. Well, I'm doing okay. I'm a Christian. I'm this, but I keep making foolish decisions. Mm. Well, that may be because you're walking a path towards death and destruction. And so yeah. uh, maybe a little more yeah. comprehensive mm-hmm. view of what our decisions show us about the path we're on. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Good. Liam? Yeah, uh, merely to say that I think Proverbs, this even this section, helps you take a scalpel to those um, poor choices, uh, especially when you look at the kind of language that's used in 15 and 16. This is in keeping, of course, with uh, wisdom literature and the, the kind of words that are used. You've got a, a progression of uh, walking to running and that being hasty running as well. So there's even the encouragement as you consider your poor choices that you've made and the, the consequences of them, it's almost like they don't just say, don't go down that path. They, it says it says to us, there's wisdom in stopping and thinking and looking for the knowledge that comes specifically from the Lord in order to figure out exactly what you should do. Then make your decision. Um, it, what, it, it just encourages us, uh, even in terms of application, just to to stop and think and to think primarily about Christ and then make our choices off the back of that. Well, next week we will look at Proverbs chapter two. Uh, and we do appreciate you listening to the Christ Heard and Clear podcast where we talk about seeing and sharing Jesus from all the scripture, in particular, as we're looking at the wisdom literature and the book of Proverbs. Uh, we very much appreciate you listening. Feel free to always rate and review and to reach out. And again, thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources. 